wicked, wicked fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags and the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, amazing animal attractions, and this. Coke is summer refreshment, so you can hop on another ride, like the all-new Sidewinder Safari. Six Flags and Coca-Cola, come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 off passes or daily tickets starting at $39.99. Welcome to another episode of Shortcomings, the Sex and the City podcast. I am your host, Samantha Bush, and my other host, Chris Lewis. Um, Hi. We are going to be talking about the second episode of Sex and the City today called Models and Mortals. Yes, we are. I can't wait. Um, How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. It's the morning, and it's raining, and it's like kind of cozy. So there's a lot going on, Sam, this uh, week. You guys are probably going to hear this in like two weeks, I think, two or three weeks. But there is a lot going on in the Sex and the City universe because Instagram has been flooded. Flooded. Flooded by pictures of this new revival. I mean, you can't turn the internet. There was that one day, I think this past weekend, where if you logged on, someone had posted that awfully awful photoshopped picture of the three gals in those horrendous outfits. Uh I <laughs> we have to talk about it. I feel insane because like I don't think but it's bad. It's definitely photoshopped though, right? I mean, probably, but like who cares? But they're like working together. I don't understand why they're like all together. What do you mean? They're walking. Why can't they just take a photo of the three of them together? I don't know. You think it was them together and then just, like, photoshopped to death? Like, their faces and their outfits? Yes, and I really don't like the Kristen Davis slander that I've been seeing. I don't love that. I thought she looked the best of the three of them. People were dragging her new face, and I think that that is so annoying. Like, I think she looks amazing. I mean, I think, obviously, they're all gorgeous women. It also just, there's something about just the fourth not being there feels wrong. It does feel wrong. I did enjoy people's, like, photoshopped. Did you send me the one where someone said it was an Old Navy ad? You sent me that. I've never... I haven't recovered. (laughs) It is one of the funniest memes because it's so accurate. And, you know, like, sometimes I do tire of the memes of just, like, putting one... Like, let's add a fourth person in here. Like, that one was so perfect of just slapping that big-ass blue Old Navy, like, logo on it and... Oh my god. So good. It was so funny. But um and then there's been more pictures that have come out and people are you talking about you are dragging the fashion Yeah. (laughs) Yes, you are dragging the fashions and I don't think that that's right. I think we've grown accustomed to very basic, boring fashion on television. Okay. That seeing someone like Carrie or Stanford in like some crazy ass look is like very shocking to the system. Shock, shocking to the system. <laughs> shocking. You know who I? You know who I think is getting a really good. Um, I don't want to say edit. Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia Nixon looks fucking incredible. She's crushing it. Her Bernie Sanders bag. I mean, all hail a socialist queen. Hair's on point. The bob. I think she's coming out of this looking the best. 
I'm also loving Sarah Jessica Parker's, like, light gray in her hair in the front. I think that's, like, we're just admitting. And honestly, is this the longest we're ever going to have spent with the character? Carrie was, what, 31 when the show started? Yeah. And now is she in her, like, mid to late 50s we're seeing her? I mean, that's a long time to follow a character. It is a long time. I think Grey's Anatomy has that beat. No. Ellen Pompeo was 12 when that show started. Ellen Pompeo was in grade school. Yeah. Oh my god, the picture you posted of her in that purple sweater from season three, we can't really get into it, but I think we need to like link to it so people can see it. Because there should be just as much discourse about Ellen's like old navy purple sweater from season three as there is about all the fashions we're seeing in Sex and the City. Imagine waking up from like your Alzheimer's like situation and you're lucid and like that's what your daughter's wearing i'd be disgusted i'd be like i too would tell her she wasn't extraordinary but this is not a gray's anatomy podcast yeah this is not a gray's anatomy podcast but if you do like gray's anatomy what is your friend's podcast it is called, called the on call room podcast it's an episode by episode by episode podcast it's great so we've also got a host of new characters played by uh wonderful new actresses um in an attempt obviously to address the lack of diversity on the original show but also to more accurately reflect what the world looks like they've added karen Pittman and nicole ari parker forgive me if i pronounced this name incorrectly but i believe it's sarita child child hurry and uh sada ramirez um a gray's anatomy queen i just got the chills wait are they framing this and like teeing it up so like they're the next no four and then we'll get a show with them <sighs> I hope so, but I also never want to see that. I'm just saying that would be kind of amazing. I, I hope that there isn't one character that's obviously slotted in to just be like the Samantha and that they give us all four of these women as their own people. I'm sure they are all queens in their own right and well-written and well-developed characters because I don't think Sex and the City has ever really fully gotten a character in there who feels like they can hold the space of those four women. I know you're not a Friends fan, but, like, Paul Rudd joins the show in the final season, and he kind of makes sense with those six characters, and I feel like the show's really struggled to ever have, like, a fifth character. I mean, we can't even talk about when they threw Jennifer Hudson to the goddamn wolves in the first movie, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll touch on that. Oh, well... So I think that's just like a, you know, a little touch on what's going on in the Sex and the City cinematic universe. Yeah, and the just like that. And just like that. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, I think we're going to be looking at these photos for eternity. <laughs> There's going to be more. So many more. You know what I don't want to see? I don't want to see any like leaked like plot line photos. Like I don't want to see like Carrie with another man or like, like, I don't want to see that. We still don't really know what form it's taking. It is going to be week to week, so. I like that. Like, I like. No, I love, I, I miss week to week. I take down a show if you give it to me, bingeable. I'm taking it down immediately. I've already finished Never Have I Ever season two. Chris, it came out yesterday. I have no life. All right, we are back to talk about episode two of Sex and the City season one, Models and Mortals. The HBO synopsis is Miranda dates a modelizer, Samantha tapes an encounter, Carrie experiments with Derek the model. Wow, what a synopsis. So that's how HBO decided to get into this episode. I think what we're finding is these synopsises are not very good. So we're going to give you a bit of our own. In this episode, Carrie is exploring the world of modelizers. 
She visits Berkeley, who only sleeps with models, meets Stanford's number one client, Derek, and has her second encounter with Mr. Big. Miranda goes on a date with a modelizer, shaking her self-confidence, which she finds in a bodega with old Skippy. Samantha is on a mission to be seen as a model, and Charlotte does literally nothing. Nothing. Charlotte does nothing but talk about her thighs. Yeah. Modelizers are a particular breed. They're a step beyond womanizers who will sleep with just about anything in a skirt. Modelizers are obsessed not with women, but with models, who in most cities are safely confined to billboards and magazines, but in Manhattan actually run wild on the streets, turning the city into a virtual model country safari where men can pet the creatures in their natural habitat. As if we didn't have enough problems. So the episode starts, what did you think of that wild party that Miranda's at? If a man took me... As a first date. Yes. Took me to his friend's intimate dinner party on a first date, I would feel so freaked out. I would be like, absolutely not. This is not happening. Like, it was, go to drinks. I mean, they mentioned they'd had, like, coffee once, but they don't really frame that coffee as a date. And that he at one point said Miranda had nice legs, which she does. But that is an insane first date. Insane. That's like if someone was like, come meet my parents. I'd be like, what? And it's not just like a couple. It's like framed as like, these are his best friends. Yeah. And they're judging you. And they're paying attention to everything that you say and everything that you do. And it's like, that is so awkward. No, I did love the game they played. And I am going to put that question to you. Oh, and I have an answer. Oh, you do already. I was hoping you'd have to search for it. What old-time movie star, alive or dead, would you fuck? I did wish he had just said sleep with, but he said it so incredulous. Like, would you fuck? Yeah, he was like, fuck. I was like, okay. Again, he kind of, yeah, he's, that guy is like such a little worm. Okay, old movie stars he would have liked to fuck when they were young. I'll start. Veronica Lake, the year she made Sullivan Scrabbles. Dave. Uh, I'd have to go with Sophia Loren. Probably my dad had a thing for her. <laughs> Montgomery Cliff. Marilyn Monroe. Bing Crosby. Yvette? Um, I don't know. Charlie Sheen? They'd come to dinner. My person, alive or dead, would be Paul Newman, young or old. I would take Paul Newman in any form. Or old? Are you kidding? I, I mean, I just love that you have the option. I like that you said young or old, but just why not stick to young? Because I'd take him old, too. You'll take him any which way you can get him. I would take him in the cartoon form on the salad dressing. Like, I do not care. I think he is stunningly beautiful. Like, he, like that is a man. Like, Chris, I'm so passionate about this. They do not make men like that anymore. Like, that is a man that I would be like, yes. Well, you know, I do believe, when did men when did men fall off? And I don't know, but they just aren't as attractive as we used to be. Something happened. No, they're all doing TikTok dances. It's disgusting. My answer is one Mr. Robert Redford in The Way We Were. Oh, Hubble. Hubble, Hubble. But Robert Redford, that would be my answer. Now, some of their answers are, you know, odd. To say Bing Crosby is a shock. The, well... Even everyone at the table was shocked. Oh, do you know who that actress is who says Bing Crosby? It's a deep cut. Her name is Katie Finneran, and she's huge on Broadway, or at least she was a few years ago. Um, she is in You've Got Mail as Nanny Maureen, who says the iconic line, Never marry a man who lies. Never marry a man who lies. 
And that's how my brain works. Yes, that's incredible. I love your brain. Um, so I, Nick, we got to talk about Nick Wexler. Yeah, let's talk about him. He isn't, what's going on with that guy? Nick is one of those men, like, this is what disgusts me about. I was attracted to him. Okay, of course you were. We'll talk about that later. You're attracted to Nick Wexler? Look, I'm not proud of it, but he just, he gave me like Ben Stiller vibes who I've always had a little bit of a thing for. Ben Stiller, listen, I get it. More like salt and pepper Ben Stiller as he is now. I don't know. I just, I, okay, his, Nick Waxler's personality is obviously disgusting, but I just thought, like, he's got good bones of, like, a cute Jewish boy. I'm really sick over this. But his personality, he's trash. He's trash. This guy is just the worst of the worst. He is, like, I don't know where men get off thinking that, like, they can get any woman they want just because they're, like, a man. And here's the thing, had they played Nick Waxler like he was tall? Like, if they cast an actor who was, like, not conventionally attractive but really tall, it's like, all right, we all know women and gay men will fucking throw ourselves out the window if you're above 6'2". <laughs> yes. Because I recently discovered John Mayer 6'3", and everything clicked in. Everything changed. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got it. This is why people have been dating him. It's just the case of the dolls. Yeah, this is why Sam goes to every concert he has in Detroit. Please. I've gone four times. That's more disgusting than my attraction to Nick Waxler, in my opinion. Is it? Because he's like a great musician, but we he actually, his new album uh, just dropped today. But All right, well, shout out to John Mayer. But um, I did think it was interesting that they present Nick Waxler in this way, and I had to then, of course, go to the text of the original columns. And Bushnell writes in the text that to date a model, you have to be rich, good-looking, and or in the arts. Now... I don't know that Nick Wexler is rich, good-looking, and he doesn't seem to be in the arts. I think he's rich. Is he? Okay, we're to, we're to assume he's wealthy. I think he's rich. I get the vibe that he's rich. Because that's how he gets these women. Like, I mean, to get a model, I feel like you have to have, like, I think Candace is 100% right. But do you know what this, like, really... I'm going to pull a carry. This got me thinking. Okay. What couldn't you help but wonder? I couldn't help but wonder that... This is like, like we are still experiencing this same issue, but I think on a bigger scale now that there's Instagram. Because now there's Instagram models, and now there's guys that strictly only date or follow Instagram models. Who are these men? Everywhere. Father God in heaven. Straight men are literal piggies. Like, they are disgusting. Like, if I, okay, here's the rule. If I meet a guy and I go to his Instagram and he is following certain Instagram models, hell fucking no. Who would you say is the most popular Instagram model so I can go and follow them? Okay. Um, Chrissy Teigen before she got canceled? She's not an Instagram model. Delilah Hamlin? Who? Okay. Well, let me fill you in. So like really any Instagram model... Personally, I don't like when guys follow them. I think it's, and it's not an insecurity thing. I just think it's weird. Well, what are you doing with those photos, buddy? Yeah, like it's weird. And like, it doesn't make me feel good if I go to their page and see that you liked their like thought bikini pic. Like it doesn't make me feel great. So like Summer Rae is one where I'm like, if you're following Summer Rae, I'm not fucking with you. Or like, I find it kind of acceptable to follow Emrata. Ah. If you follow too many, I'll say. Five or more. Yeah, like, I'm not into that. But if you're following, like, Kendall Jenner 
or like a like Gigi Hadid or like a real model, I'm like, okay, whatever, I don't care. But if it's like these girls that are like maybe local who are Instagram models. Although I do judge gay men who follow too many white gays accounts who post nonsense. So I think we can connect on that. I don't need to see you saying Black Lives Matter without your shirt on, sir. Yeah, so that I was thinking that this whole episode, I was like, this is like still a, this is still an issue, but like bigger because it's like, one, I don't think this episode could have been made today. I mean, let's be honest, that could be said of every episode of Sex in the City. But let's talk about Barkley. We need to talk about Barkley. <laughs> that man would be arrested. Gorgeous. Models are a lot looser than you think. It's way easier to screw a model than a regular girl because that's what they do all the time. It's how regular people are when they're on vacation. He's a fucking... He is gorgeous, but is a devil. He's disgusting. Him in his, like, warehouse apartment. And if we're going to talk about him, we can add to the list. And I hope someone out there listening is keeping a running list of every single time Carrie is trash. Why does she stay? Why does she watch that? You wouldn't? No, if a man was just, if a man pulled out a bunch of sex tapes and fully said to me, like, "Mm, there was no consent in making these, I would report him to the goddamn police. (laughs) Listen, okay, when you put it like that. Because I think she even asked, do they know they're being filmed? And he's like. Yeah, and he goes. (laughs) Maybe. Sir, there needed to be forms, sign, NDAs. I wanted to, um, I love, and I feel like they had one scene of the four of them together in the first episode having, I think it's Miranda's birthday party. Oh, in her, in the room? In their... In the pilot, in the first episode, but this scene where they're all at Carrie's eating Chinese food and drinking white wine, to me started to feel like the energy of the four of them together. Yes. I, I just thought it was so great, and I loved seeing them all together, and how, and in fact, actually, there's... Like, at one point, Miranda really barbs Samantha and says, like, you paid for your plastic surgery in a way that, like, I feel like later there wouldn't necessarily be, like, acerbic jokes between the women. And I really enjoyed that. And just it felt like the the chemistry between the four of them was starting to click in a way that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I totally agree. And I like that Samantha was better portrayed. Like, she was more, she came across as more, like, genuinely confident and coming from a place of, like, not wanting to just, like, appeal to, like, the male gaze. It's like she genuinely thinks that she's, like, the most beautiful person. And she is. And she is. And as you mentioned earlier, I mean, look, this is the last, literally the last time we see Charlotte in this episode. She's just nowhere to be seen after this scene. But I appreciate the fact that they reference back they'll reference this moment later that charlotte's big insecurity is her thighs i find it fascinating that four beautiful flesh and blood women could be intimidated by some unreal fantasy i mean look look at this is this really intimidating to any of you i hate my thighs it comes up quite a bit yeah and i um and i love her little glasses which i feel like they go away eventually except for when she's in like work mode she probably gets contacts. No, but like Charlotte herself just stops wearing. I can see why the actress would, but I just, I miss, I thought Charlotte looked so cute in her little glasses. She did look cute. I think, and Carrie looked so much better in this episode. They got the hair color down. I mean, mm-hmm. she wear, I love that little black dress she wears and she puts it up at one point. Mm-hmm. No, she looks good. Yeah. And the curls are good. Like they're not like 
fr- like they're not like brushed out. They look like good curls. And by the way, I want to say to everyone, we're going to be talking about fashion and hair in this. And Sam and I have none of the technical terms. So a lot of what you all aren't getting is us miming to one another. Like, oh yeah, her hair was like up and then down. And our arms are waving. Yeah, and arms are akimbo. So that's just a little visual standpoint because we will never record what the video, what we look like while recording this and put it out in the world. You never know. I, my camera will be off. <laughs> You'll have technical difficulties that day. Um, so then they go to this great party, the fashion show after the party, and Carrie meets Derek, a.k.a. The Bone. Would you, would you think of The Bone? I think he's so cute and so sweet and so dumb. He's so cute and so sweet and so dumb. He is. But also so infuriating. I'd be so mad if he came and just slept in my bed. Are we sluts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because, oh, wait, then she sees Big at that party for the first time. So she has two encounters, actually, with Big. Yeah, they're in, like, this crazy-looking bar with, like, Christmas lights. Well, I feel like that was a moment in time in which you just, like, strung, like, twinkle lights up every fucking way are. Yeah. But, so they have, like, a moment. It's very sexy. Their chemistry's great. He's asking her. He's also very rude when he's like, oh, your column is cute. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has a way of, like, putting her down. But And also, I think, like, it's interesting because when Carrie's with the women, she's like, don't compare yourself to models. We're all beautiful and smart and, like, real people. And then when she's with Big, she's, like, so concerned with, like, him liking her and, like, liking models more. It's just crazy to me how good they are already. Like, when they were in that party... It felt so lived in and sexy already. I was just like, just get together already. I'd forgotten it. How long is it going to, how many more episodes do we have to take before they get together? I feel like it's like two more, maybe. I can't take the sexual tension. I already know how it ends. I know. It's so good. And like, they're just so good together, like on screen. It's. But it was interesting that Carrie notes that she distinctly believes that Big is out of her league, which is not true. Because she also doesn't really know anything about him to this point. Like, she knows he wears a suit everywhere. As someone who's a dizzy Carrie, let me speak to her. It's like, she's already has this, like, idea in her head of, like, them together. Or, like, how it would look. Or how they would be. Because in her mind, she's a writer in a studio apartment in New York City who, like, doesn't cook who, like, eats out every single day, like, who parties and smokes cigarettes, and he's, like, this very polished, rich, good-looking guy who fucks models. And I guess, yes, at this point she knows he wears, he only wears suits. Right. He has a limo, well, not a limo, but a driver, and he fucks models. And he fucks models. For that to be enough to go off of, if, if anything, that's a reason to run, baby. Eat the rich. Well, also, like... Hello, I'm a writer in a studio apartment who doesn't cook. Like, I relate. So we're going to make this about you? Always circle back. Always. Always. But, um, so then at that party, Samantha meets Barkley and decides to go home with him. And I think that this scene actually fixes what we talked about in the first episode a bit, where she goes home with Cabote Duncan and it's kind of played as sad. I think here it's... It is sad that he, when he says, like, oh, I only record models, um, <laughs> you can turn it on for me. Um, 
and then the camera pans in on her and she's kind of like coyly posing like she moves his head and in some ways it's empowering because it's her conquest i was thinking the exact same thing like is she kind of took that power back like where the other women that he was recording without their consent didn't also we 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 they don't know, we don't know. Samantha at least knows we're learning Samantha knows and she's like I'm sexy and you're going to watch this video and you're going to think I'm hotter than these models We should also add that this show's view on models is so upsetting they play them like they're fucking idiots as the um the like direct to cameras it's I know the jokes aren't funny it's so they're so and they're like I read, sometimes I read whole magazines. It's like, oh my god. I know, and her name is Ashley with like an L-I-G-H. And then they have that we- Then they have that male model who I did think it was a little funny, and I'm not even sure if it was intentional, that the one model is like, yeah, you get flown to Aspen, boob jobs, and he's like, yeah, somebody bought me a juicer. Yeah. It's like, women ain't gonna pay you too, ain't gonna give you too much buddy no whereas dumb men are like yeah i'll fly you to aspen to like hang out with me and the one woman in the park the model she was like a breast job a vulgar necklace a breast job <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> i i loved her and i would have loved to have seen more of her i thought she was she was something she was something but again this is coming from like 1999 i think we're still in 98 oh 98 excuse me 1998 so it's like the world was a very different place. We hadn't yet seen America's Top Model when we learned that modeling was a job. Which, by the way, I read an article today. Tyra Banks is a monster. She tried to get she tried to get Heidi Klum to quit Project Runway because she saw her as competition. And I know that's a complete aside, and we will be leaving this in, but I want to take this moment to say I am so glad that I've lived long enough to see Naomi Campbell be the victor in that fight because i think we were all palling around with tyra back in the day and seeing naomi as some monster it it is an honor to have naomi campbell hit you with your cell honor. phone i love when she's in watch what happens live she's a great guest she's the best i'm so sad she's not on season two of um that amazon show making the cut because it's like she made that show and they should have worked around her schedule yeah so but i also love her transition into youtube talk show host <laughs> If you haven't watched, if you haven't watched Naomi's interviews, you have to. They are wild rides. To watch someone, a basic narcissist, try to interview someone else is chef's kiss. So we had to take a quick break. Sam apparently lives in Jumanji. I, <laughs> I live in Jumanji. Um... Uh, it's pouring rain so if you can hear that think of it as just like a really calm think of you're like in the rainforest cafe this is now shortcomings a sex in the city podcast mixed with your calm app um you might hear from matthew mcconaughey a bit later just you're really getting it all here i hope this is lulling you to sleep Mm -hmm. but also keeping you entertained very so i was in the middle of a incoherent rant about Naomi Campbell and let's get this ship righted on the waters of Detroit. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Carrie takes Bone home, Derek the Bone home, and he's so sweet. He says he wants to move back to Iowa and have a kid and be a cop, 
this was in 1998, so we're, you know, we don't yet have the language around the political implications behind that. Mm-hmm. But he's very sweet, and he says he just wants to lay next to her and fall asleep, which would have driven me insane. But I know you thought it was cute. But they do seem to have a nice, like, evening and of, of rest together. Uh, Stanford calls the next day, and Sarah just, well, Carrie does my least favorite TV trope, which is she just hangs up on him. Oh, she doesn't say bye. Yeah, I think people in TV shows and movies are always doing that because it's like a funny way to punctuate the scene. Like, oh my God, this character is so done. If anyone did that to me in real life, we would no longer be friends. I've done that. You've just like, okay, I have said something that warrants a response and you've just hit no. Oh, no. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't like, the conversation has not reached an end. I don't think they're finished. <laughs> she just hangs up on him. She kind of, that's like their relationship, though, with Stanford. Like, she kind of just, like... Because Carrie is a bad person, and that is the second bad point she's done in this one episode. I don't like that you call me a Carrie, and then you say that she's a bad person. You have her dizzy qualities and her good qualities, not necessarily her monstrous ones. Okay, I'll go with it. Um, but that's, that's like, you know, that kind of calls an end to Derek and the modelizing of it all. Yeah. But then we have the return of your favorite character, Skippy. Chris, when this man is at the bodega with Miranda, well, he's not with her. He's there and she's there at the same time. He's buying cereal. Captain Crunch. Miranda's getting uh, cat food for Fatty the cat. And I'm just like, I hate this man. I hate him so much. Like, the fact that he thinks that, like, he just, because he's a nice guy and he thinks Miranda is luminous, that suddenly, like, he just deserves the world. I'm sorry. It's been a really busy week. I thought we had a connection. Oh, I don't know. Could I get my change? You mean you get that way with every guy that you're with? No, it's just... (laughs) Don't you want to go out with a girl your own age? It's got nothing to do with age. I I think you're luminous. You think I'm luminous? Totally. Miranda couldn't resist the vision of herself reflected in Skipper's slightly smudged lenses. All right, let's get out of here. But that's such a sweet moment. Come on. It is sweet because you see on Miranda the look on Miranda's face that she's very happy. And I'm happy when Miranda is happy. And this is the introduction of Cynthia Nixon, the actress, I feel like. She's so good at a close-up moment. She sells that all. The one problem I do have is is that I do think the line could be a bit punched up that she sees herself through Skipper's rose-colored glasses instead of whatever they say. It's like, it just would have been a cleaner line. Well, they talk about that his glasses were smudgy. Yeah. But that's also very Skipper. Like, he probably has pizza grease on them. And true, they did seem quite smudgy. What did he say? He was like, do you have any cereal? I gotta get pay for my cap and crunch. She's like, grow up. (laughs) But she does take him home and it is a sweet moment. I mean, calling someone luminous is, I mean, look, both you and I would like have fucked him in that bodega if he said said luminous. Are we sluts? Always comes back to that. If a man ever looked at me truthfully and like wholeheartedly was like, I think you're luminous, I would be like, what? I, I love it. But it's Skippy, so I hate him. 
But that's kind of so we now know Skipper's not going anywhere. We've got a few more episodes, I'm sure, with him. Maybe he's in the whole season. I really can't remember. I feel like he is. But I'm looking forward to seeing more Skipper, if only because of how much you hate Skippy. I hate him. I don't know what it is. It's him and George O'Malley for me. Like, I hate those two little fuckboys. So, after she spent the night with Derek the Bone, sadly not boning him in a carry pun, mm-hmm. she goes, she's working at the coffee shop, and Big comes in. What'd you think of Big coming in? Like, remembering where she works and coming to visit her. I thought that that was so sweet. And, like, he just has this little twinkle in his eye when he talks to her, and he, like, knows exactly where she's coming from with the questions that she asks. Like, she thinks she's being very, like, speaking in, like, a code, and, like, he's like, no, it's actually very obvious what you're doing. You're asking me about dating models. But I also think it's, like, she has somehow pierced whatever his aloof armor is. Like, he's been thinking about what she said yeah and it's stuck with him and she's pushed him already a bit and then he has perhaps an iconic perhaps the only iconic big line yeah it's a good line first of all well there are so many goddamn gorgeous women out there in this city what an amazing observation but the thing is this after a while You just want to be with the one that makes you laugh. Know what I mean? Okay. See ya. And that is so true. And so sexy. So sexy. And then he leaves. And just gets up and leaves, which is kind of... Oh, no, I think she does reply and says, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, like, she she acknowledges what he says, but then he's like, gotta go. And then she has her closing monologue, which is very cute, about a rent-controlled apartment, which is interesting, because um, we won't spoil it, but a rent-controlled apartment that overlooks the park will become very important to their story at a later point. I think we've decided this is not a spoilery podcast. We're going to try to keep the conversation as episode as episode, episode to episode as possible, just in case there's someone out there who's watching for the first time. If you are, what's wrong with you? But we're here to help you. Um, no judgment. So then that's the end of the episode, which was very short, in my opinion. It wasn't like it felt like it flew by. It felt like it was 10 minutes long. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was a great episode. I like that we got to see all the women together. I like that we got to see Big a couple times, but in like a different, like in a, like you got to see their relationship sort of like bud. It does feel like the show was trying to be iconic and do that Seinfeld thing of like coming up with a word. It's like, now we're going to have modelizers. Yeah. I mean. Like they're kind of obsessed with coming up, like before hashtags were a thing. I don't know, like piercing the vernacular of america perhaps it's like i don't think modelizers jumped into the lexicon of the american public but maybe it did i don't think i've ever heard anyone say that well mostly because it's an embarrassing term if anyone ever said it you'd instantly be like you're definitely a loser yeah i'd be like seek help seek help Okay, I talked about this last week on the podcast that there is a piece of fashion in this fucking show that I hate, Chris. Okay, keep going. It's this fur coat. The fur coat is iconic. I hate it. I hate it. 
I think it's so ugly. And it's not that I'm, like, someone who's, like, against fur. Like, I don't really care. I want to be clear. She's not pro-fur. I'm not pro-fur. I also just, like, don't care. Um, That's probably problematic. (laughs) Listen, okay, whatever. I said what I said. I just think it's so ugly. It looks, like, ratty. It looks gross. She looks like the mom. She looks like that evil woman in The Rescuers. You know the woman I'm talking about that rides the crocodiles? Did you ever watch that movie? And I've not seen the movie since maybe I was two, but I think doesn't Corella Deville wear a ratty fur coat? Yeah, but she's different. She's like an icon. But that like Carrie to me, she just looks dirty. Like with her, I, I, I can't see past the fact that it's iconic. This is our first time seeing it. It's obviously going to play throughout the series. I'm sorry that you dislike it so much because I think we're going to see it at least eight more times. Oh, she wears it a lot in season one, a lot, and season two. So, I do have to say, I have already have to issue my first apology to you through this podcast, because the last fashion segment, you said you wanted to track Queen Miranda as an athleisure moment. Yeah. I did not know what you were talking about, and my favorite thing in this episode is that Miranda comes over to Carrie's house when they're eating Chinese. She's wearing Adidas track pants. I am wearing them today, and I am wearing them today in her honor. To be fair, I've been wearing them for most of the pandemic. Yeah. She is, like, the queen of athleisure. I I didn't see it, but I'm excited to track it. Oh, we'll track it every episode, because it comes up a lot in season one specifically. No, she looked great. I loved Carrie's little black dress. I mean, it's a simple little black dress when she's at the model party, and she's got, like, has a drape necklace over it. Yeah, and it, like, doesn't connect in the back, the necklace. No. It's, like, just, like, a big, long string. So, I mean, the fashion's getting better, but it's still not, honestly, it's still not at the kind of exaggerated level we're seeing from the images um, we're getting currently, or we're certainly get by the end of the show, so, but I'm loving it. Um, we've, the iconic fur coat is with us. Crystal talks about that on the Origins podcast, the Sex and the City one, where, like, in the beginning, it wasn't about the fashion, it wasn't about the shoes, it wasn't about the clothes, it was about, like, New York and their relationship, and then he hates how it transitioned into something bigger. I love it. I I love it, too. I'm just saying that's how he feels, but also Chris Noth is kind of, like, a hater. <laughs> that's true. So, which I also love that. I love that he hates it. I know, it's kind of how, um, oh my god, I cannot believe his name is escaping me, but it was... Captain Von Trapp. His name is also Chris. Oh, Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer hated the sound of music. Hated it. For a very long time. But then he ultimately did come around to saying it's a cute movie. It is a cute... Okay, but for someone to say the sound of music who was in the sound of music just being like, it's a cute movie is like, not great. It's like, come on, sir. Yeah. Okay, in terms of the men um, that we want to sleep with from this episode, we meet Nick Waxler. We meet Derek. Barkley, and we meet a little gentleman named Brad Fox, the male model who's, like, at the gym. Yeah, the one that got the juicer. Yeah, and then we have the returning characters of Mr. Big, Stanford, and Skipper, so who are you picking, Sam? I'm picking Samantha. <laughs> you can't... Not even, not even Derek the Bone? Oh, okay, Derek the Bone, because he would probably be so sweet, and he would be, like, so attentive... And sometimes that's just what you need. Sometimes it's just, like, what you want what you need. Like, you need someone who's, like, sweet. But I also think, like, I feel like he, you could feel his, like, pelvic bones when he was, like, 
Thrusting. Thrusting. And I'm just not into that. I'm going with Barkley. He, I saw his cute little baby doll face and I put a lot to the side. You think he's cute? Yeah, I think he's got a cute face. But you think he's cute? Go back and watch the episode. I did. I watched it like six times this week. I mean, same. And each time I was like, I gotta see this guy. I might start watching Suits. (laughs) Guys, look out for our Suits podcast. It's coming. Um, (laughs) I don't know what we would call it, um, but I'd need to see Meghan Markle's work. I don't even know what Suits is about. Is it about lawyers? Yes, it's about lawyers. She plays Rachel, which is interesting because her real name is Rachel. Her real name is Meghan. No, it's not. It's Rachel Meghan Markle. Big fan. So am I. I'm a huge fan. (laughs) I don't really have any hot takes on this episode. I thought it was pretty straightforward. I guess the hottest take I could say is, is while I didn't love the episode, I wished it was longer. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wish all the episodes were longer. Ooh, guys, that rain is... (laughs) It's really beaten down over there. I just want, you know, when I decided, when we decided to start this podcast, I really wanted it to be like you were in the room with us. And this really... We're really setting a mood. It's like an Agatha Christie novel slash whodunit. And I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So, Sam, what would you rate this episode out of 10? I would rate this episode a 7. Maybe 7.5. Because I like that we got to see more of the women. I like that we got to see Big and, like, Carrie's little magic that they have. I I mean, I really could have done without Skippy, um, per usual. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was also really interesting to put something like that on television at the time. Like, to get a woman's perspective on how, on how dating works and is in New York City in the 90s. Like... Uh, to me, that sounds like a nightmare. Well, that's a whole show. Well, that's the whole show. I know. I like that. Like, now we're getting into it. Into, like, the dating mechanics of New York City in terms of the models. Yes. I'm going to give it, you know, just a basic 7. 7 out of 10. Mostly, that is for the for the final scene. I think that final scene between Carrie and Big is so strong. Um, I believe I gave the exact same reasoning f- for during the first episode. So, apparently, I'm only in it for the final moments. But I just um, really, really enjoyed that final moment. And I, oh, and I loved the four women together at the apartment just eating um, and drinking a half a bottle of white wine. It looked very comfy cozy. I wanted to like sidle up and be with them. It did. Like it made me want to like, and it was a Tuesday. And I'm like, I never see my friends on Tuesdays. And I was thinking, should I order Chinese food for dinner? But I have um, plans later. Thank you so much for listening again this week. We hope you'll join us next week for our recap of Season 1, Episode 3, Bay of Married Pigs. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and check out The Dip's other podcasts. There's TV Watch Repeat, Pop Chaser, Slut Pig Podcast, and of course, Hot Off the Mess. Um, And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Big tobacco cigarette butts filter practically nothing and are made of microplastics that are toxic and cunning. More than 15,000 fibers lurk in every cigarette butt you see. Could they harm your families? Quite possibly. They could end up inside of you, your bodies, their prey. New studies even indicate possible links to mutations in DNA. An evil lie with the future's worth of harm. To the world, now you know. So sound the alarm. Learn more at undo.org. 
Everyone is howling about Paws of Fury. It's the most fun comedy of the summer. I am your father. What? No, I'm not. <laughs> Michael Sarah. It's showtime. And Samuel L. Jackson. What the mother father kind of spaniel's going on here? Paws of Fury. Only in theaters this Friday. Rated PG.